Man, it's so good to see everybody. Are you glad to be in the house of God today? Now, we have been in a series entitled, uh, entitled Ghost in the House for the last two weeks, and we've covered a lot of material, really just laying foundation. And today I'm just gonna continue the idea and this is, a, this is a series that could probably go another three to four weeks, by the way. So I'm trying to not go for three months on this topic, but I really do think it's a topic that all of us need to hear what the Word of God says about the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been doing in this series, is going right back to the Bible. What does God's Word say about the Holy Spirit in the earth today? Because many of us have definitions of the Holy Spirit based on what mama said or based on what they read one time or saw on a YouTube video. Or Here's what we've been doing for the past few weeks. We've been going back to what does God's word say. And so I'm gonna be recapping a little bit today and then I'm gonna get into some of our material. But I think a good place to start is Acts chapter two, verse 38. Acts chapter two, verse 38. And Peter said to them, this is after the day of Pentecost, or the day of Pentecost, the Bible teaches us that they're in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit falls, and there are people that are observing this experience they're having, and the Bible says that they are questioning, what is this? What meaneth this? And Peter said to them, they are not drunk as you suppose because it's nine in the morning. He goes, this is something that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. He talked about how in the last days, my spirit will be poured out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. And talks about the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So they then have an explanation from Peter on the day of Pentecost. Watch what happens. Acts chapter two, verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift, everybody say gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, very, very important verse that oftentimes you don't hear mentioned with this verse. For the promise talking about the Holy Spirit, is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off. That's us, by the way. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Now, I want you to catch something. The gift of the Holy Spirit, many people will argue that that was only for them. That was only for the beginning of the first century church. They needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They needed all of those things that come with the power of the Holy Spirit. They needed it. We don't need it today. It's not for today. They have a teaching called cessationism. I've taught on it before last year. Cessationism, cessationism is the idea that the Holy Spirit functions in the earth in a different way, that the signs and wonders that come with the Holy Spirit have ceased. It's called cessationism. I and Vibrant Church are continuists. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit today. 
We believe that the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe in signs and wonders can still happen today, and we still believe in miracles. Can I get a big amen, somebody? Verse 39 kind of breaks that theology. 39 says this gift, the Holy Spirit, is actually not just for you currently where you are presently in this generation, first century Christians. It's also for Jake Meyer on the fourth row today, in 2022, that gift is available to him. Bobby on the third row, the gift is available to him. Who else do I know in this church? <laughs> the rest of you. No, I'm just kidding. Gail, way back in the top smoking section, that's elite class up there, that gift is available to her in 2022. That's what this verse is saying. Now, when the Bible says the Holy Spirit is a gift, I want you just to see this. This, If I were to give you this gift, I'm like, hey, Sonia, this is for you. We, me, I just wanna give this to you. And you say, thank you so much but I'm never gonna open that. I'm never gonna open that. Well, this is, this is for, for my heart to you. No, you don't understand. What I'm giving you is an amazing gift. It, it's something that could change your life. Okay, thank you so much. And we, you may even take the package, but you may never open it. And we talked on week one why people don't open the gift of the Holy Spirit, the reason the first reason was that there are poor representations of the Holy Spirit, remember that? That people are outrageous and crazy and have done some, have done some wild stuff in the name of the Holy Spirit. I've seen people knock drums over, I've seen people roll from one side of the room to the other, I've seen it all. And I'm sure many of you have as well, and I'm not saying those people are faking it, I'm just saying that they may have done some damage to those of us that are more not crazy, <laughs> who are interested in the things of the Holy Spirit, but weird people hijack the Holy Spirit and normal people never ask for it back. And so we have the gift from God that I believe today we are that we need to open. Here's another reason people don't open, we talked about this on week number one, is misinformation about the Holy Spirit. They've been taught that the Holy Spirit's not for today, they've been taught that if you open your life to the Holy Spirit, you're gonna have to do weird stuff, you're gonna be dancing with a snake in a tambourine before you know it. Here's the third reason a lot of people don't open up the gift of the Holy Spirit, is they're personally satisfied without the Holy Spirit personally satisfied without the Holy Spirit. When we talk about Acts chapter two, verse 38, the scripture's letting us know, Peter responds to the crowd and says, you must repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There are three things mentioned that I wanna talk to you about today. The Bible lets us know that there are three separate baptisms. Three separate baptisms. Let me go through it, them with you today. The first one, if you're writing, taking notes, you can write this down, is the baptism in Christ. The baptism in Christ. 
Galatians chapter three, verse 27 says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. This is salvation. When you say yes to Jesus, when you surrender your life, you repent of your sin, you walk away from old things, you begin a new life as him being your Lord and Savior, you are now what the Bible says, baptized. One, one chapter and verse says it, that we're baptized in the body of Christ. So this is salvation. And how many of you know that salvation is not for the perfect? Salvation is not for the qualified. Salvation is not for a particular age or for a particular race. Salvation is for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Romans chapter 10 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There are no membership fees. There are no applications required. There are no perfect people allowed. John chapter three, verse 16 says that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the good news is, it's for whosoever will call on the name shall be saved. Aren't you thankful that you're saved today? Salvation, what's amazing about salvation, it doesn't have to always be in church. I've seen people get saved in church my whole life. But I've also heard of stories where people gave their lives to Jesus in a hospital room. I've heard stories where I've done funerals and given the opportunity to lead people to Christ and seen many people say yes to Jesus at funerals, at coffee shops. I've seen people go on, on vacations and come back and say, I was on vacation walking on the beach and I knew that God was real and right then I became aware of my sin, for, asked God to forgive me, gave my life to Jesus. Went on vacation, now they're going to heaven. Isn't that amazing? Salvation is not just limited to a church building. It's wherever and whoever if you call on the name of the Lord. And if you, if you hang around here long enough, you'll begin to see that that's one of our main priorities as a church is that people will first and foremost know God. We oftentimes say we want people to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. But the very beginning, we want to have a church that people can come into this room who have never heard of the gospel or people who are unchurched and dechurched. They've tried it, they've got away from it, now they're sitting in here because it's Mother's Day or a girlfriend that they really like came or whatever the reason they may be in the room. And when they hear the gospel, when they hear and feel the presence of God and the love of the people, we, our prayer is today that you won't leave here without saying yes to Jesus. Our church is designed in a way that you may have not noticed, it's not real traditional. I don't know if you didn't notice that. I'm not sure you caught it. And there's nothing wrong with traditional churches and traditional preaching and traditional worship and hymns. I love that hymn today. Didn't you love that? I love that stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're living in a time that is more post-Christian. 
And as people are coming to the house of God, first off, they're not coming as much as they used to. Secondly, when they come in, they've already seen that, done that, and they just need something new. Church, right now, we're just doing our best to reach as many people to get baptized in Christ. That's what we're trying to do. It's one of the main business of a minister. Charles Spurgeon said this, that if we had to preach to thousands year after year and never rescued, never rescued but one soul, that one soul would be a full reward for all our labor, for a soul is of countless price. Many times when I close service, just to be honest with you, there are times I feel like I'm redundant. If you're in the room today and you have never given your life to Jesus, and I see people checking out across the room because you've heard this, and, and, and all of a sudden they're here, but you know they're not here. And, and many times the devil will get in my head, nobody's listening, nobody cares, this isn't gonna work. But so many times when I give someone the opportunity to accept Christ in this room, week after week, when people close their eyes, it doesn't cease to amaze me that somewhere in this room, a hand could be over there, could be down here, could be over there, will slip up to give their lives to Jesus Christ. It's an amazing feeling to see it every week. Our priority is to get people baptized in Christ. Now this first baptism, this first baptism prepares us for eternity in heaven. This first, if you get this first baptism, this is what gets you on your way to heaven. These other two are important, but this first one is primary. This is what we live for, is to get people saved and get them in the kingdom of God and baptized in Christ. The second baptism, many of you have heard, is the baptism in water. Now, there are some people that teach that you have to be baptized in water to go to heaven. It's gonna encourage you, the man on the cross beside Jesus was hanging on the cross and he said, remember me, remember? And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. He never got to go to church. He never got to buy a Bible. He didn't get to sign up for a small group. He didn't get to do a serve day. He never got in the water tank. But that day before dinner, he was in the presence of God. The first baptism is primacy. We want people to prioritize giving their life to Jesus. In addition to that, what we see in Scripture is this. Jesus was baptized in water. Paul was baptized in water. All the new believers you see in the book of Acts when they received Christ and were baptized in Christ were baptized in water. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. When we get baptized in water, it is a public display, a public declaration to the world, to yourself, to God, and even the devil that you are leaving the old things behind and that you're a new creature in Christ. Scripture actually says that it's like a burial, that you are leaving your old man and coming up and declaring to the world that I'm a new man. 
I'm a new woman. I want to encourage you that on November the 6th, in just a few weeks, we're going to be having our baptisms here at the church, and that's some of our favorite Sundays, and if you have never registered, if you've never connected, if, you, if you're interested in getting involved or just have questions, please go to guest services or go online and say, I want to go all in with my faith, and I want to encourage you. Here's, here's what I want you to hear. When you get baptized, invite as many friends and family as you can. Because they need to see this thing happening in your life. And it will communicate something huge to them when they see you come out of that water and your fist in the air and a community of faith cheering you on. It could minister to them. Your story may say something to them that my sermon can't. So when you get baptized, I want to encourage you to do so and invite a lot of friends to come see it. Or post the video online if you have to. I'll tell you this too, that there are, there are beliefs, and in fact, I am, I've done this. Uh, in the Jewish culture, they believe that you can be baptized more than once. And there are some people that are pretty much like, no, I got, you know, I got sprinkled as a baby. That's good enough for me. I'm not saying it didn't take. <laughs> I'm just saying that you're in a new season of life, and it's okay to be rebaptized. Uh, in, in the front of my Bible, I have two separate, I write a lot of dates in my Bible. In the front of my Bible, I have two separate dates, these dates that really matter to me when I felt called to preach, and, uh, when I preached my first sermon. But I have two dates of two separate water baptisms in my life. I'm sure I'll be baptized again because of just being in different seasons, different chapters, different moments. And some people, once they get through traumatic experiences, they need that moment and to encourage their faith to go all in and just, just to remind themselves that I'm fully committed to what Jesus Christ has done for me. So for some of you in this room, if you've never said yes to Jesus, you need to give your life to Christ. If you said yes to Jesus and you've never been baptized, today's a great day to go sign up and say, I want the second water. I want the second baptism available to me, and that's water baptism. And for some of you, maybe you've been baptized and maybe the Holy Spirit's drawing you saying, listen, you're a new person. You've changed, you've changed hands a few times. You're in a new, you got a little more mileage on the car. I'm, a new, I'm in a new season of life. And I, I wanna encourage you, if that's you, you can sign up and be baptized as well. Now, here's where the story gets really interesting. In fact, many people will struggle with the next part of this sermon. Because a lot of teachings and denominations only teach about the first two baptisms. They teach about salvation. That's a big, big part. That's everybody, that is a closed hand issue. Every denomination, if they don't teach that, that's false heresy right there. That's false doctrine. We are saved by grace through faith, and, and we need to be saved. We need to be born again. The second thing almost every church would agree with is baptism. They will, everybody does it different. Some people submerge completely, immerse completely. Other people will sprinkle. Some people like three times forward. I've seen, a, I do the hokey pokey. I've seen a few different things. And the scripture teaches the word baptism is baptizo, which means to emerge or to immerse. That's why we fully submerse people because the scripture teaches to fully immerse. Here's the third baptism. Scripture teaches on the baptism 
of the Holy Spirit. I heard an old story of a preacher who one day was in his church and he was trying to bring the significance of the Holy Spirit and really bring power to this sermon to his church. And so he got a little boy and he said, listen, I want you to go in the attic. I want you to remove the vent cover above the pulpit. I got you a dove. And when I say, and the Holy Ghost came down, I want you to release that dove into the auditorium. Little boy says, got it. Goes upstairs, the preacher's preaching, and he says, in the middle of his sermon, he's red hot and sweating, and he says, and then the Holy Ghost came down, and nothing happened. So he says it again, and the Holy Ghost came down. Again, nothing. One final time, the pastor's getting exasperated. He says, and the Holy Ghost came down. And the little boy yelled down through the hole. He said, pastor, a cat ate the Holy Ghost. Show me to throw it down. Baptism, a complete overflowing with the Spirit of God. When we are baptized in Christ, Scripture teaches that we receive the Spirit on the inside. But as you begin to study, and I'm going to show you some stuff in a minute, that when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are immersed not just on the inside, in us, on us, and around us, the full, powerful presence of God. Scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit is a gift from God, builds our faith, Jude 9, gives us power, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. John chapter 14 and 16, as we spoke last week, the Holy Spirit is our helper, our teacher, our reminder, our leader, gives us the power to witness. John chapter 16 says that the Holy Spirit reveals to us who Jesus is. 1 Corinthians teaches that the Holy Spirit will teach us things to come, knows the deep things of God. Acts chapter one, verse eight says the Holy Spirit empowers us to reach people. We need the Holy Spirit. Now for those of you who are like me that already from the outset are like, okay, what are you gonna make us do? Where are we going right now? I'm not sure I believe what you're saying. Can I take you to some verses? Acts chapter eight. But when they, it's just, the evangelist Philip is preaching, and when they believed, the first baptism, you see it? They believed in Christ, they're baptized in Christ. As he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were, there's the second baptism, both men and women. Verse 14, now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they are believing, they've been baptized. They sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Did you see all three? For they had not yet fallen on any, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. So they are believing, they've been baptized, and the scripture is letting us know that they call in reinforcements from Jerusalem, Peter and John, who walked with Jesus personally, and says, we gotta make sure that you receive the Holy Spirit because it hasn't fallen on you yet. Verse 16, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Do you see all three? 
when most people want to take, do origami and take this out of the Bible. I'm not teaching you my heritage, I'm teaching you the Bible. What do you do with that when you see it? What, what do you, I know people who will literally skip over that, act like that doesn't exist. No, I'm good. I'm. Acts chapter 19, let me take you somewhere else. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, or Corinth, whatever, north of here, <laughs> Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, believers, first baptism. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no. No, we have not even heard. We haven't even heard about this third baptism. And he said, he said, into then, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So we've been baptized in water. And Paul said, John baptized them in the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized, now in the name of Jesus, second baptism. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Now, I want you to listen close. They didn't know. They didn't know. They needed someone to tell them. They didn't know. I want you to hear me with my heart right now. It would be very easy for me to never touch this topic because I would never want to cause confusion or people to be like, you know what, this guy's nuts, I don't understand. And a lot of people right here could check out, and I know that. However, I have to stand before God for what I preach. And if you didn't know, I know when I stand before God, I let them know. I told them the truth. I didn't just cut portions of the scripture to not, to better appeal to a wider audience. Because technically, if you read the Bible, my job isn't necessarily to build the churches to preach the word. Jesus said, I'll build the church. And Paul tells Timothy, just preach the word. In season, out of season, if they like it, if they don't like it, if they stand and they clap, if they sit down and they cross their arms, just preach the word. So that's what I'm doing today. And I look at it like this. If I'm obedient to God, I'll leave all the consequences up to him. Salvation prepares us for heaven and the Holy Spirit empowers us for earth. We need the Holy Spirit. So when you read in Ephesians, when you read in Ephesians, the scripture says to not be drunk with wine. And it goes on to say that it will ruin your life. And then it says this, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to show you just briefly the best illustration that I could help you with. This is your life. 
This is my life. This is just our, our desires, our flesh, our sinful nature. How many of you know that you're like, I need a bigger, I need a little, how big can you make this joke? <laughs> okay. This is our life. I love that the scripture teaches the Holy Spirit fills. It doesn't just come and is a nebulous cloud around your life. The Holy Spirit fills. Here's one of the reasons a lot of people, as I said before, don't want the Holy Spirit because they're already full, already occupied, already satisfied. No need for any more. I'm good. But we need the Holy Spirit. When we open our lives up to the filling of the Spirit, watch what happens. We begin to see things transform. And here's where a lot of people stop. I can't think with these balls jumping around. <laughs> but here, here's where a lot of us stop. We become comfortable. I go to church on Sunday. I check it off once a week. I'm there. I got the Bible app. I may check it every once in a while. My Bible's somewhere in my house. I'm not sure where it is. But when mama's sick or something, we call the pastor, can you pray? Can you pray? Because we don't feel confident to pray ourselves. And, and here, here's where we are. I want to encourage you today. We need the filling of the Holy Spirit that things that, that, that have been binding you, situations you've been trying to work through, things that you, because here's the job, I can't pull it out for you. But the Holy Spirit, when he fills our life, will begin to move things out of our lives. Things begin to fall off, attitudes begin to change, and lives begin to be transformed because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I get a big amen, somebody? I feel the Holy Spirit right now. When our lives are full of things of this earth, we cannot be transformed. But when we say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Fill my life, change my heart, touch my mind, make me a new creature. Lead me to be a better husband and a better wife and a business owner and a better pastor. Teach me, show me, lead me, inspire me, fill me. Somebody say, we need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit every day. I'm a pastor. I would think that I would just be like, this should be easy for me. But you know what I need every day? I'm out of Holy Spirit, but you get the idea. Aren't you glad he don't run out of Holy Spirit? Yeah. Give me those water bottles, Jonathan, down there. I'm not gonna let a, just bring a whole bucket. Open that one for me. I'm just thirsty. <laughs> Give me another couple if you got them. You know the Bible teaches that when it says be filled with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean one time. It's an ongoing 
overflowing, can't stop, got to get more of him. I, whatever I got to do to get more of God's presence in my life, I will do it. Nobody can be in my way. No relationships can stop me. No individuals can get in my, I, whatever I do, I got to get more of the Holy Spirit in my, keep filling me, keep inspiring me, keep leading me. You can stay standing, I'll close in prayer. Every day, I need the Holy Spirit. You know, I got up this morning, I was tired, up all day, up all night, just running around and being, just had a lot going on today, last night. And I was like, God, I don't wanna preach. <laughs> just tell you, I wish I had told you I was more spiritual. I just seriously got up this morning, I was like, oh, I don't wanna do this. Get a real preacher if you want another one. I'm just telling you the truth. They all do this. We all struggle too. But I was, uh, I was uh, driving today and I said, Holy Spirit, fill me today. Stir me today. And when I get in that pulpit, let somebody's life be changed today. Let your spirit speak through me. Let your heart be felt. Let your anointing be experienced. Let your freedom be in house. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I want my son and daughter to experience the Holy Spirit. I want, my, I want every member of my family, Pastor Tyson, to be open to that third baptism. I just want that life-giving experience. I'm gonna tell, oh, I should, what time is it? I'm gonna tell you a story. You ready for a story? You guys good? All you standing on the slant, you're back okay? I hate that slant. I'd be sitting back there with you smokers if I was me. Now listen, I'm just kidding. I was, uh, I was 17 years old, and I was really hungry for more of God. But you guys know me. I'm kind of analytical, and I was raised in a circus church, which I love, still love them. They're just, you know, circus. <laughs> and so, but I wanted the real thing. I just wanted the real touch of the Holy Spirit in my life. So I did what I only know to do. I got in the Word of God, and I started searching out what does God's Word say about the Holy Spirit. Because all I had seen was excess. All I had seen was demonstrative, crazy, and I'm not even saying they were faking it. I'm just saying for me, it wasn't working. And I was in my room one day. I was about to go to work. And I got on my knees and I said, God, I've studied, I've read on the Holy Spirit. All I know, the scripture says, all I gotta do is ask. So I was in my room. I said, Holy Spirit, Father, will you please give me the Holy Spirit? I receive it by faith. Now watch what happens. You ready? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Felt nothing, saw nothing, sensed nothing. I'm like, cool. I prayed a little longer. 
And while I was praying, you, you don't have to believe what I'm going to tell you, but I hope you trust me at this point that you just know I'm just sharing my heart. Is that all of a sudden I begin to sense in my, not here, but here, a language I cannot explain to you. I sensed it, but not understand it. But I was raised where everybody was really, and I was like, I'm not faking this. If this is really God, I ain't faking this. So nothing, I stopped it. It's like, no, no. A little bit later, I think it was probably three or four weeks, I'm in Double Springs, Alabama. Who would have ever thought? I'm in Double Springs, and a preacher's preaching a youth camp, and he says, somebody wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit tonight. I'm like, ding, 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 putting it on this guy. I go up front, and uh, it's like six or seven people, right? And he goes down, and he just says, I want everybody to say, I receive the Holy Spirit. I'm like, done this. I receive the Holy Spirit. He goes down the line, boom, 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 boom. Everybody else in the line is magnificently and obviously touched by God. Tears are flowing. People down the line are like, ba 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 Benny and the Jets. I'm like, that's not real. That's fake. You just singing. I've heard that song before. He gets to me, guess what? I say, fill me with the Holy Spirit, Jesus. I'm so sincere. I've, stu I've studied more than all of them. I knew I did. I know the verses. Puts his hands on my head, guess what? Nothing. <clears throat> he goes on and continues doing altar time and people worshiping God and having encounters with Jesus. And a pastor from Rainsville, Alabama, slid down a bunch of people and came to me. He goes, I'm gonna tell you what God told me. I said, what's that? He goes, you already have the Holy Spirit. He goes, God's showing me that you've already received it. You asked for it a few weeks ago, didn't you? I says, yeah. He goes, you already have it. Quit asking for a gift he's already given you. We have such a good father. He doesn't withhold. This is a gift. And that day in Double Springs, Alabama, July the 11th, 2007, I said, I'm going to release what I would call a prayer language. I'm gonna talk a little more about this next week. But I released my prayer language for the first time. I was already filled with the Holy Spirit, though. You understand? And people oftentimes think, I have to pray in a language to have the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand me. I'm not exactly sure that's how it is. I think you can have the Holy Spirit and not be confident yet or growing in that gift yet. But I'll say this. If it's a gift for me, I want it. I just want what he has for me. And every day since then, I've done my best to pray my personal prayer language my daughter's in the hospital right now. She's fine. She's fine. She had some whatever she's doing. And what is it again, somebody? Viral pneumonia. She's okay. She's going to probably come home today and hopefully. But you know what I did when I was in her room last night? 
Same thing I've been doing since I was 17. Praying that prayer language. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit prays when I don't know what to pray. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what's wrong with this kid. But the Holy Spirit made that body, and he can fix whatever's wrong with that body. So if I got to pray in the Holy Spirit that man cannot understand. The Bible says when I pray in the Spirit, it's not unto men, but unto God. I went in there this morning, gave her, I shouldn't have done this, but she's my girl. Got Lino coffee, got her a bag of gummies. She hasn't eaten anything in days. I went in there, I was like, Lily, you want some gummies? She's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> she has done so much better. And all I can just thank God, I'm just thankful that I have a helper. Just have a helper. When it's hard, he's helping me. When I don't know where to go, he's leading me. When I don't know what to think, he's teaching me. I'm thankful. All I want us to do at this point, I just want to pray with you. Eyes closed all over the room. I know you stood for a while. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you fill us today. We are open to your filling. We've heard through your word today about the three baptisms, and today we welcome you to keep filling our hearts, keep filling our lives. Just right where you are, I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, will you fill me today? Don't overthink all the other stuff. Just ask the Father who will withhold no good thing that it is his good pleasure, the Bible says, to give us the kingdom. Fill me today. Help me today. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's sing together. Come on, maybe you want to raise your hands to heaven. Maybe you just want to put your arms out, put your hand on your heart. You are welcome. You are welcome here. Come on, one more time, church. Sing it to heaven. 
Jesus. Are you thankful for the presence of God today? My heart is, and I think I speak for the team as well, is that speaking about these topics, our intention is not to create a pandemonium, chaotic, out of order church for the power. The Bible says to do all things in decency and in order. You can have power and you can have order at the same time. Our heart is for this series that you and I will live a Holy Spirit empowered, Holy Spirit led, Holy Spirit filled, Holy Spirit conscious life. I'm not trying to change the services. I'm just letting the Holy Spirit change us. Does that help? With eyes closed all over the room. If you don't know Jesus today and you've drifted away from him or you've never said yes to Jesus, today is a great opportunity to say yes to him. We're a family and we love you. We're glad that you're here, but most of all, God loves you. God sees you. He died for you. And today, right where you are, if you're joining me in the room or online, we believe that his salvation is for you today. And just right where you are, if you say, I want to know Jesus, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to raise a hand to heaven and say, will you pray for me today, Pastor? I want to walk in that newness of life. I want to thank you for those hands. I want to be baptized in Christ. Will everyone repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean with your blood. Make me a new person. Baptize me in you. Give me a new life. All things passed away. Behold, all things become new. And I am prepared and I'm ready for earth and heaven in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, if you're thankful for the presence of God today, put your